0: Let's all let's all grab a seat real fast and we'll get, we'll continue on. You no, know, what's interesting is I uh, I used to back when I first came to know the Lord, I um, I would read I was reading the scripture and I would read the New Testament only. I'd start in Matthew and I'd get to the book of Revelation and I'd stop. And I'd start back over Matthew. I, I wouldn't even go in the book of Revelation. I was like, "There is that is something for another day. I have no idea what that says. I don't even want to try to confuse myself on that." And uh, and then probably it's probably been six or seven years now. I uh, I had a vision, and I won't go into what the vision was, but it was it was related to end times things. I believe I I saw some stuff that uh, was pretty close to what. Uh, John saw in the book of Revelation, and, for, and as soon as I had that vision, I started. I need to know what that means because when I had the vision that he showed me, I was confused. I had no idea what it meant, so it really started me diving into and looking into end times, and uh, and and particularly the book of Revelation, book of Daniel as well, and um, and so I'll, if you if you go to Bible College, I will tell you all about that vision in second year, <laughs> in the class eschatology. So there's a little. If you want to find out, there you go. That's, where, that's how you do it. And uh, what's, what's interesting is going through everything, um, you know, I, I was under the impression for a long time that because everybody has been saying, Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus, I mean, we heard that in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, right? And, uh, and just because that has been like the, the thing everybody said for so long I was totally like, that's probably, you know, probably just people saying it again like they have for the last fifty to hundred years. Jesus is coming back. And uh, and then I learned after after talking to God, after seeing things in scripture, that no, we are we're we're there. We are it. And I, I really believe that you have to have your head in the sand to not see it. That you have to have your head buried to not see the signs to not be aware of where we are in, in, in time. And uh, one thing that's interesting is uh, a few years ago, we are at a kid's camp. The first time it, uh, we've had multiple kids, Pastor Mark talked about people going to heaven, and we've had multiple kids in our, our kids' camps, and, and sometimes even in our kids' services, well, they'll, they'll have an experience where they go visit heaven, and they go visit Jesus, and they, they talk all about it. And... Uh, and, and that might seem odd, but I believe that you know there's when we get closer to the end, there's going to be more of this type of stuff happening, and uh, and you know the with kids, it's they're not naturally wanting to deceive, and you know one of the things that validates it for me is just kind of what they talk about when they come back when they're when they're all excited about heaven. It's like the, every single one of them always talks about how amazing the grass is. I'm like, if you're going to make up a story about how awesome heaven is, I don't think you're going to start with the grass. But that's what they say, man. The grass is ridiculous. You step on it, it bounces back to life, and it, nothing ever dies, and everything's making a beautiful harmony And the smell of heaven, and they just go on and on and on. But the first time we ever had anyone go to heaven in, in a, at a kid's camp was a girl. She was nine years old at the time, and uh, she had an experience that was... It was kind of more than just heaven. Actually, she uh, went to heaven, met with Jesus. Jesus took her on a tour of heaven, and and said some things to her, and uh, and then also showed her hell as well, and took her. Actually, had an angel with her, take her to hell, and was walking around hell with the angel angel protecting her. And she describes the whole thing, and and how, and I mean, from a nine year old's perspective, the thing that. She was extremely grossed out by was everybody was naked, and uh, and and so she's like I've never seen anything like that before. That was that was that was gross, and <laughs> and and one of the things before she uh, saw saw hell was the Lord said I'm going to show you some things that are coming soon, and uh, and and basically that what what the Lord had showed her was some things happening towards the end. Uh, which i 'm not going to go into, but it, it's 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 it 's this and um, and one of the things that she came back really concerned about was i don't think i'm going to be able to be a mom, which I really want to be a mom she's nine years old, right like I want to be a mom, and that was her concern is i don't think I'm, i don't think we have that much time that i 'm going to actually be a parent because I think because basically what Jesus was Telling her was this was happening soon. This is this isn't something that's in in future generations. This is going to happen in your lifetime, and actually said this is happening in your lifetime to her. And, uh, and anyway, I have I have a whole interview with her on on video. I think we've shared that in some of the Bible College classes. There's another plug for Bible College. Uh, I, I the the full interview that I had with this little girl, and it's pretty it's it's pretty amazing because everything she says. Lines up everything with scripture, and uh, and then just the urgency that she has, that that she kind of conveyed is, this is we don't have a whole lot of time. Jesus is coming back, and we're we're right near the end. And uh, if you look at just so many different pieces of scripture that point to what the end is going to look like, what what is the atmosphere of of our world of our culture going to be? And if you if you look at what that is. We're in it right now. We're in it right now. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Second Timothy. This is one of the things Paul was writing about, what it would kind of be like in the end time. Second Timothy 3 says this, uh, starting in verse 1, 3-1. It says, "But know this: that in the last days perilous times will come." Verse two: For men, so kind of one of the reasons why there's going to be some perilous times is because because of these reasons. For men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. Um, going th- this, if you if you look at our society today, if you look at our world, everybody is about themselves. This. This might be—it hasn't always been that way. It hasn't always been everyone's been so selfish. Everyone's been so self-centered. And today, that is more true than ever. I think it's going to get more and more escalated the closer we get. Uh, But you can tell that as as times are getting darker in the world, that this is what it looks like, that people are going to be lovers of themselves and, and lovers of money. And um, kind of going along with what Pastor Mark was saying earlier is just a is is what is the opposite of that, and be, and the opposite of that is what Jesus called being a disciple. What what he described being a disciple was to deny yourself, to deny yourself, and take up your cross and follow Him. And that word deny, if you if you read that uh, if if you look it up in the Greek, that word deny means Don't follow after. Follow after me. Don't follow after yourself. Don't do whatever you want to do. Don't follow after your own ways, your own thoughts, your own desires. Don't just go down the path of whatever you think is best. But if you're this is where discipleship starts that you would put off what you want, you would put off your own ambitions. You would put off your own plans and we would look to Jesus and say, what do you have in store? What do you, what do you want for my life? What do, you, what do you think I should do today? And that's where actual discipleship starts. If we're not even there, we're, we can't really claim to be a disciple of Jesus. That's where it starts, is I've set aside my own life. I've set aside my own desires. I've set aside what I want, my preferences, and I say, Jesus... What, 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 what plan do you have for my life? And he does have a plan for every single person. And how much more critical is that plan to come to fruition than in the last days? In these times that we're in, it's, it's the critical hour. There's people's lives hanging in the balance. There's heaven and hell for many hanging in the balance. There's life and death, whether sicknesses and disease or different things people are dealing with. It's, that's what's hanging in the balance right now. And it really is up to us to say, well, are we going to do what God wants? Are we going to do what Jesus is showing us? Or are we just going to do whatever we want to do? Whatever our plan is. Because His plan is full of amazing stuff. You know, if you were to just say, we should serve Jesus, we should follow Him, just based on the fact that He died for you, he gave up his life for you. He bought you with a price. He bought you. He paid for your life. And if that would be good enough to say, all right, Jesus, whatever you say, I'm going to do you. You exchange your life for me. I can follow after you. But there's even more to that. There's even way more that's available to us with, with following him. There's so many promises and so many things that we're Basically, our benefits to us by following him, and he doesn't even try to like hide those from us. He's not saying, "Follow me," and then in, you know somehow you'll stumble upon him and I'll show him to you. No, he's like, "Follow me," and there's going to be some really cool stuff that happens. There's going to be some things that happen in your life that are really good when you follow me, and that's that's the way he set everything up. And so not only should we follow Jesus and and have have him as the head of our lives because he purchased us. That should be number one, right? I'm going to follow him because he earned it. (laughs) He earned that spot of being Lord of my life. He literally laid down his own life and went to a brutal death, separated from his father. I'm sure that was worse than anything physically he went through. And he did all that so I could be joined back together with my father. And that was the whole reason he came was so that we would say, Okay, I'm I'm going to I'm going to now live for you. I'm going to live for you. To purchase us, to make us one with our Father again. And then we would say, Okay, what what do you want me to do now? And it's scripture says that we were created for good works. We were created for for good well what are those works what what you mean there was a plan already in place they're totally i believe i believe when we get to heaven i believe we'll see our life on a scroll and i believe that there's a scroll probably in heaven right now that has your life planned out already on it the major things of what you should do where you should go who you should be with those types of things uh, that's pro- I believe that's already laid out ahead of time for your life. So for us, it's not a matter of really picking and choosing exactly what we want. It's a matter of discovering what the plan is. There's a discovery process. Now, one thing that we think in our minds is, is well, what if what I want is better than what he wrote out? And and m- many Christians struggle with this because there's times in that plan of God where you totally are not doing anything that's going to seemingly benefit you whatsoever. It's going to seem like this is going to benefit everybody else besides me. I'm, I'm going to be worse off if I do this. And that's what it looks like right there just as far as we can see, right? And uh, Jesus is... Called Our shepherd, isn't he? Isn't he called the good shepherd? And so if you get the picture, we're sheep and he's the shepherd. If you think about what sheep can see, what sheep can know compared to what a shepherd would know, it would be ridiculous to think that that sheep would have a better idea of what's in store for them in different parts of the pasture or over the fence than what the shepherd knows. You think of the difference in understanding between a sheep and the, and the shepherd. Think of the difference of perspective between the sheep and the shepherd. And so Jesus, he can see stuff far in advance from what we can see in the natural. He can see what it's going to pan out, how things are going to work, what things are going to look like if we make certain decisions. We can't. If we're, if we're just seeing it with our own human ability, we can't. We have no idea what it looks like. We have, we have no idea how, how it's going to pan out, that job that's going to make three times as much money. What if there's a boss in that job that's horrible, it's, that's living hell to work for? Well, it looks like it's more money on paper, but what does it look like at the end? What if that job has someone that is going to try to ruin your marriage they're going to try to attack your attack your marriage and and try to you know get you off with them you how do you know that going into it you don't but he does and if we'll follow him and just say you have a better perspective of this than I do you have a better view vantage point and and you're you're actually a lot smarter than me <laughs> cuz you know we just have our sheep our little sheep brains that we're dealing with but when we say, okay, you're in charge, I'm going to follow you, then what happens is we're led into a life that, is, that works, that's victorious, that overcomes, and actually is way better than if you would have figured it out and did whatever you wanted to do on your own. And so there's many places throughout Scripture, if you remember Psalm 23, remember Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Interesting that he's tying, you follow me, you listen to me, you do what I'm saying for you to do, and I will make it to where you're not going to miss out on anything. You're not going to lack anything. I have an abundance in store for you, follow me, right? And then in John in John 10, uh, Jesus says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to to give life and that life more abundantly, that whole John ten, he's all talking about how he's the good shepherd, how he's the good, how he wants to lead us, how he wants to be the one that that we cling to, and so there's there's decisions in life that look like, man, I'm going to, it, I, I'll give you an example for me, um, I had a, a a sum of money come into my possession. I had plans for this. I had I had it already allocated every everywhere I wanted to go, and God said, "I want you to give that," and He told me who it was, and I really didn't want to do it then. <laughs> and I said, "Are you serious? Like they're probably going to waste that. They're probably going to totally not even appreciate that." And and the, and it was just like. Silence. <laughs> like, yeah, so? I, didn't, I told you what to do. And, and so in, the, in that sum of money that I'm giving to that person, it seems like this is going to wor- not work out well for me. I'm gonna, all those things that I had allocated for that, I'm going to have to put on hold. I'm going to have to pause all those plans, and I'm going to have to give it to someone I really don't even want to give it to. And, and who knows what what they're gonna do with it? Probably not anything great. <laughs> Just knowing who they were, right? But I did it anyway because I knew the end result was I'm gonna be taken care of. I'm going to, God's got God's my provider. This money is I, money is not my God. I'm not gonna to look to. And if you think about guys, we're approaching the end. And these are, these are going to be big questions that we have. What do we do with assets? What do we do with large amounts of funds? What do we do with... And the reality is, he's got a plan for those. He's got... He may. This is, this is kind of what I'm sensing from, from the Lord, is that there are some where the Lord has led you and directed you and spoke to you about doing something that is like way huge, like it's a big deal to you, like it's maybe it's a sum of money maybe it's uh maybe it's just a big decision to go do something or whatever it might be but the lord has said no you do this you you he's directed you you have you're not sitting there wondering what the lord wants you to do you already know and there's this hesitation on the inside of like well I'm going to I'm going to be worse off what if this isn't the end what if this is just wasted. What if I make this decision and, and something good doesn't come of it? You can trust him. You can tr- he has a plan for you. His plan is to prosper you. His plan is to make you the head and not the tail. His plan is to take your life to the next level, not to take it down. And sometimes, just because you can't see what's on the other side of that decision, you can't see what's on the other side of giving whatever that money or, or asset away is, that just because you can't see that doesn't mean that there isn't something even more amazing on the other side of that. Remember, remember the rich young ruler, the guy that had a lot of money, came to the Lord and said, uh, I've kept all the commandments all my life, and uh, what do I need to do to have everlasting life? And Jesus looked at him and loving him said, Sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. It's like, well, Jesus, you're asking me to take a step backwards. You're asking you're 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 telling me my life's gonna get a lot worse if I have to sell all of my possessions. But was Jesus trying to make his life better or worse? He goes on to say that. Everything that you give up for me, you're going to get a hundredfold return on in this life and in the, and in the life to come. And so he's trying to prosper him. He's trying to, he's trying to make his life even better. He's trying to take his life to the next level. He's trying to say, listen, if you'll follow me, you'll listen to me, Just and it might look like it's going to end bad for you. It might look like it doesn't matter what it looks like. If you'll do that, watch what'll happen. Your life's gonna go up. I have I I am a God of abundance. Jesus said I came to give that life, that life more abundantly. He's an abundant God. Hallelujah. Everything he does, if you remember the fish and the loaves, twelve baskets left over at the end of that. Not just enough, not just squeak by, not just you know, was able to give everybody a nice little taste was to wet everyone's appetite. No, they were all stuffed, and there was 12 baskets full left over at the end of that. I mean, think about the little boy. This is all I have. You want it, Jesus? But oh, I don't know how I'm going to eat if you're going to share this with, you know, 5,000-plus people, but okay. and That's the picture of, if you compare that to, what we have, and compare that to what he's asking of us. If the what if the boy knew at the end that there's going to be baskets full left over, that's what we we have we we know that's the end result. We know that because of what he said. There's an abundance coming. There's an abundance that comes after this. If we do this, if we're obedient now, if we'll if we'll say okay, I trust you now. The end result of that is abundance. The end result of that is we are way better off. We are way better off. There, There's hardly anyone that I've ever met that was a generous person that was also a poor person. I, I've never met a very g- extremely generous person that was also extremely poor. Usually, if you find someone that's generous and, and likes taking people out to lunch and likes giving, even... No matter what it is, it seems like they're always going up. They're always it's like, "Man, you got a new new truck. You got a new uh, a new house. How's how's that happening?" Well, it's all based off of eternal laws that are that are in place that say, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, if you if you give by uh, in abundance, you're going to reap in abundance. You're going to reap bountifully. And those are all laws that are in place today. And so I believe that God's wanting us to say, listen, don't go by what it looks like. What it looks like is just, you're just a sheep staring at the fence. Go by what the shepherd is saying. And if you'll do that, he's going to lead you to still waters. He's going to lead you to green pastures. He's going he's to cause you to have no lack He's going to give you the life that's abundant, and and I'm not talking just material things. I'm talking about things, other ways working out better, relationships working out better. Uh, there, you you have, I've seen God come through financially, so many times in my life. That if he tells me to give or he tells me to do something, that it, it just seems like the dumbest thing if I don't do it, because I get excited because I know there's an opportunity for for him to even to increase me more. And so if I if I get a directive from him on it, it's it's way it's way better. You know, there's there's times where I give and it's out of my the purpose of my heart. You know, Paul talked about uh, giving what you purpose in your own heart and there 's times where I give that way, but when it 's directed by him, when it 's like no dude like it wasn't it wasn 't in my heart to give that that one person a chunk of money. it was not in my heart at all did not want to, but it was a directive from him, and I know that whenever that happens, my life 's getting better my life 's getting way better i 'm going up and not down I'm, and, and I know that' there's, there's some that are dealing with decisions that uh, look like you're, you're, like there's no possible way this ends with me being better off. Sometimes that decision is fessing up to something. Sometimes that decision is uh, coming clean. Sometimes that decision is doing the right thing when you haven't been doing the right thing for a long time. And the, you, could, you could be looking at that and saying, this is, I'm going to be f- shamed. I'm going to be whatever it might be. But the end result is you're going to be free of that. The end result is you're going to come out looking squeaky clean at the end. And the truth is is you have to go to bed with yourself at night. You have to go to bed with you have to sit there and deal with your own conscience. And a clean conscience, which is a conscience that has said I am going to listen to God. If you if you've been dealing with that that decision of listening to him or not, it's weighing on your conscience. It weighs on you. And when we say, you know what? I'm gonna do it, and you just do it, just jump. Just just say, Okay, here I go. When you do that, your conscience being cleared, it it makes a world of difference in so many areas of your life. Bible talks about when you have a, a clean conscience that you have confidence towards God. You when when you have uh, when when God has been telling you to do something and you've been resisting, it's really hard to then go believe for something else. It's hard to go say, "Well, I'm going to go pray for someone's healing. I'm going to go. I'm going to go pray for my own healing or believe for something for my own life. I'm going to go believe God that uh, for a house or for debt being paid off. When sitting over you." Hey, you haven't responded to to what the Lord has given you yet, and so that confidence we're told to to not give up that confidence. How do we not give up that confidence? Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna listen to Him. I'm gonna be obedient to Him. When He says something, I'm there. I'm there. When He when He gives me a when He shows me what to do. What if it What if it means it looks like you're gonna fall? It looks like you're gonna. You're going to trip. You're going to stumble. You're going to go backwards. It does not matter what it looks like because what it looks like is, is from a vantage point that is not real. It's, it's, it's not seeing the whole picture. Amen? Amen. Um, I think we're going to finish with, with another worship song, Joe, if you want to get the worship team up there. But I kind of want to just, if, if, if there are certain individuals that I'm speaking to you in particular where you're making a decision um, where the Lord has given you direction. He's already told you what to do. You're not sitting there wondering what you should do, but he's asked you to do something. Maybe that's maybe that's to step up and to get into the call of God for your life as far as in ministry, or maybe it's to um, to come clean with something, or maybe it's I I believe some is he's asked you to give up something big whether that's money whether that's asset and and he's already given you the who it should be and all that kind of thing And, uh, and you've just been kind of hoping it goes away kind of sitting there hoping that little that little prod goes away well I can tell you it's not going to and your life's only going to get more and more further away from him the more that you resist that and so, if that's you, uh, I would just invite you to come up while we while we worship this in this next song, and uh, and just say, God, I'm doing it. I'm going. I'm whatever you say, you're the Lord. You're the Shepherd. You know, there, if there if you could say there's one central theme to this book, it would be that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord, which means he he gets to say he gets to say what happens. He's the one who's in control of our life. He's in control of your life if you submit to him. And it's time for us to just say, okay, I submit. I'll do what you want. Now watch. He wants to prosper you. He's going to, he's going to lift your life up. It's not going to go backwards. Amen? Amen. Let's do it.